You're overwhelmed. You feel like everyone needs something and there's no time left for yourself. In today's interview with Caitlin Cuevas, we talk about overcoming overwhelm and taking back control of your own life. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Digital Barbell Podcast. Our mission is to provide you with a clear path to health and fitness through education, coaching, and accountability. We are your hosts, Jonathan and Blakely Fletcher, and we are here to serve you. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star review so that we can reach more people. You can find us daily on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell. Now, let's get to today's topic. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 186 of the Digital Barbell Podcast. Boy, do we have a good episode for you today. We'll try to make this intro quick. We have an amazing interview with our friend, Caitlin Dunlap Cuevas. We met Caitlin, as you're here in the intro, back when Blakely was coaching at mm-hmm. Village CrossFit. Now she's a coach, helps women specifically overcome uh, mindset issues, uh, deal with overwhelm in their lives, help them get organized, help them be more productive. And man, this is just a great conversation. You're going to walk away with tangible things you can do to improve in all those areas. And yeah, and she's available to hire as a coach also. And she has a great new group program coming out next year. I just thought of something completely random. Bring it on. One time when I was flying out to Boston to go to Reebok for some training or whatever, I was on a flight with her and her husband. And I'm pretty sure it was like their honeymoon. Oh yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, A couple other things we've got to announce before we get into this is we have Digital Barbell Lift Heavy Be Nice sweatshirts available. You guys have been asking for sweatshirts forever. The front, just Digital Barbell like in small font over and over again. Very like, very cool looking. Very trendy, man. We're on the back. Lift Heavy Be Nice. Yeah. I mean, what else do you need to say? It's a bold statement. I mean, if somebody sees you walking around the grocery store in that thing, they're going to be like, I think I like this person. And they might come up to you and be like, hey. Do you lift heavy? And are, I'm, I'm assuming you're nice. <laughs> yeah. Can I borrow 20 bucks? It says you're nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited about these. We have unisex hoodies and then crew neck men's and women's. Uh, so yeah. So those are available. The order period ends on? The 16th. Yes. November the 16th. Really get them in by the 15th because I think they close the store like early, early a.m. on the 16th. Yeah, I think so mid- midnight on the 15th get, actually. Yeah, get them in on through next tuesday november the 15th yeah get two while you're at it in case you <laughs> want to give one as a gift <laughs> i'm going to get a couple extra get one for of myself each style. but yeah this is not like a uh, we're not having any inventory in these no. things they're going to make them to order so yeah. don't we have like, nothing to do with the process of sending them out either so just like we can't we can't order after the fact or anything like that i know with those top gun inspired shirts people are like oh i want i want i missed i missed the deadline let me get one i'm like we can't we don't have them <laughs> yeah we don't have them this is this is a company that's handling it for us which is amazing yeah but yeah so we have no control over that so yeah grab them right now the last thing i just want to mention and this should go without saying is that if you've been listening to our podcast for a long time or this is the first time listening first of all if it's your first time welcome subscribe while you're here but we are available for coaching. We can help you build a training program that mm-hmm. meets your needs and coach you through it. We can help you build sustainable habits in your nutrition. That is the foundation of our business, to, to walk with people step-by-step step with mm-hmm. them 
and help them basically build a fitness lifestyle. That is what we're trying to help people do. So if you feel like you are lost in your fitness or what you've been doing isn't working or you're trying to come back from an injury, you just need a coach, you need a plan to follow, send us a message through um, our contact form. I'll put a link in the show notes along with the link to order sweatshirts. But let's talk. It's going to get busy the beginning of the year. I'm talking about like new client applications coming in. There's no reason that you can't get started on your health and fitness goals now and beat mm-hmm. the rush, you know, while we have room for you. So if you've been on the fence, jump, it's time. All right. So without any further ado, let's get into today's interview with Caitlin Dunlap Cuevas. Caitlin Cuevas is a mom, business owner, podcaster, and a life and wellness coach in Houston, Texas. She helps busy women tackle overwhelm and regain control over their lives through her company, Think Happy. Thanks for being here, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. This has been a highlight of my week that I've been looking forward to. That's awesome. I'm super excited for this, um, to have this conversation because Lord knows we work with a lot of, uh, clients and women specifically that feel overwhelmed. They're super busy. So I really feel like the wisdom that you're going to bring to this is just going to give people some practical things to take away and start feeling less overwhelmed and less busy and get more out of their lives. But before we get into all of that, why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about your background, how you know Blakely and I, and how you got, how Think yeah. Happy started and how you got into this. Great. Yeah. So like you said, I'm Caitlin. I live in Houston where you and Blakely used to live um, with my husband. We have an almost two-year-old daughter named Eleanor and a brand new baby son named James. And thank you, Jonathan, for being patient with me as I was a little bit late to this <laughs> appointment because of, of little baby James. Um, and of course, the glue who holds our whole family together is our golden doodle gut. So, <laughs> you know, I just, I cannot go and introduce our family without including her. Um, we love so, dogs. Yeah, too, so how, it's all good. I know. I know. I know. I'm in good company here. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that she's not sitting by me right now. My feelings are a little hurt. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. So gosh, how I know you and Blakely CrossFit That's right. from so long ago. That was okay. Let's try to think about this, Jonathan. That would have been back in 2013. That sounds right. That's almost 10 years. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. I have such good memories of those days. And I just always admired you and Blakely. And Blakely specifically was one of my coaches. Um, and I just love what you guys are doing with Digital Barbell. And um, yeah, you she, guys are so uh, great to me. She was your coach at Village CrossFit, correct? Yeah, she sure yeah. was. And that gym still exists, actually. It, it does. Yeah, I know. There's some really great people over there. Um, and yeah, I'm a, thankful a lot for of that. A lot of relationships were born out of that time. And we are still friends with a lot of people. And actually, we wouldn't be here today had she not taken that job coaching at Village. I don't think, you know, you never know looking back, but yeah, it's just funny to look at the chain reaction and how, how many um, just friendships and relationships we have because of those days. And you're one of those. So that's really cool. Oh, well, thank you. I feel lucky that I get to be one of those. Um, 
And, but no, to your point, it is crazy. And I won't let myself get on a rabbit trail with this, but looking back at, you know, career choices in this instance right now and how it leads one thing to another, to another, I always get a kick out of doing like reflection like that. And it is cool that village somehow led to digital barbell and for, for myself, village was a huge, it, it catapulted me into this just love for fitness in general, um, which has definitely been a foundation for think happy and where I am now. Yeah. You, you did a lot of coaching. Um, I don't know if you were ever a CrossFit coach, but you got into a lot of other fitness programs too, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So I taught um, probably about eight years ago, I started teaching indoor cycling. um, And then that led to inside the same studio, I was teaching bar classes. And then the really fun one that I also teach is a rhythm based trampoline class. (laughs) So super, super fun. Um, And yeah, I mean, definitely coaching fitness has a special place. That's awesome. I was going to say, I bet those trampoline classes are actually like way harder than you think. Our next door neighbors have a trampoline. And after like five minutes on that thing, I'm spent. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a lot of fun. Well, so your, uh, your coaching business, Think Happy, um, it focuses mm-hmm. on helping busy women kind of get a sense of control back over, to, over their busy lives. So like when somebody comes to you for help, where is your typical client at? How are they feeling? What are some examples of things that they're struggling with? Because I think a lot of people listening to this will be like, oh, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I always answer this question is when clients come to me, they're feeling more like their life is running them instead of them running their lives. Um, I like to think of the since we've been talking or since we're both dog lovers, it's like when your dog is taking you on a walk versus you taking your dog on a walk. Yeah. That's not fun. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, not fun. And so that is definitely a common ground that I notice when clients are coming to me. And like you said, it is mostly women just, you know, feeling like they're going nonstop, um, struggling to even know how to begin checking things off of their to-do lists, people who are juggling a hundred different things. Um, and you know, just Sometimes it's as simple as someone needing a reframing to having that glass half full perspective in their lives again, um, and how to be intentional and in the driver's seat about, you know, living life with that sort of perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I'll add to that, I am very much a, a, if you want it, you have to work for it type of person, which I feel like you and Blakely are similar in that. Um, because you know, that's my, that's my style. You know, you can't sit back and wait for something to happen. You have to work toward it. Um, so yeah, that's where people are when they come to me. Yeah. It makes sense. Like I got a little bit stressed out just thinking about that, uh, overwhelmed situation actually. <laughs> what, uh, okay. So I want to talk about, um, more about overwhelm and then we'll kind of get into some practical tips for kind of overcoming it. So, um, this I, this client that comes to you and they're feeling overwhelmed. What what are the three kind of main things that you would pull out that are leading to us feeling overwhelmed? And then we can get into how do we start to address those kinds of things. Yeah. So 
This question is interesting because the answer is going to be different for each person, right? So overwhelm looks differently for all of us. Um, some typical causes that I do see are, you know, some things that are going to come front of mind, adding too much to your plate, um, feeling like, like you aren't equipped to handle what you have on your plate. Comparison is a big one. Striving for the unattainable. So maybe, you know, setting yourself up for, for not for success. Um, and something that I think is interesting is when we start looking at actually the signs of overwhelm and how your body, how your mind is trying to tell you, hey, hey, Caitlin, hey, Jonathan, I'm really getting to this point of overwhelm. Um, and I find it really helpful to become aware of what your own warning signs, quote unquote, warning signs are. Uh, for me, and what I teach a lot of my clients is to start becoming aware of these warning signs through self-reflection. For me personally, journaling is my go-to method of self-reflection, but for your listeners, if you have something else that, you know, is tried and true for you, stick with that. But it is, I think it's so cool. I can totally nerd out on how your body and mind are are really telling you everything that you need to know. You just have to listen. You just have to tune into it. Mm -hmm. So, so some things that, um, you know, some, some tangible things that, that your listeners can look for while they're doing this sort of self-reflection is, you know, leaning into unhealthy habits. So that's going to look like um, leaning really heavily into perfectionism, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, saying yes, becoming a yes person, even when you're already at tilt, avoiding asking for help, um, procrastinating, or just avoiding the situation, avoiding the tasks altogether. Um, and then the last one that I'll mention is allowing what I call a slow, slow build of stress or anxiety. So that could look like, you know, just brushing things under the rug or ignoring your warning signs and continuing to move forward without addressing those warning signs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you brought up really just like the first step of awareness and this goes for, you know, coaching people on their nutrition. We see, um, sometimes there's just a general unawareness of the small things that we're doing that add up to cumulative, you know, the cumulative moving us away from our goals, but we're like, we feel so busy that we don't think we need or can take the time to do that awareness. If somebody wants to start doing some kind of mindfulness practice, um, you mentioned journaling, like how much time should we realistically dedicate to something like this? Cause people probably are like, I don't have an hour to do that. Yeah. So what, what is it? What does it actually take? You know, I have two journals that I keep this. I'll answer the question. Two journals that I keep. One of them is more of a typical journal that, you know, you envision when you think of journaling and it depends on how much time I have when I sit down to journal. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 15 minutes. The other journal that I have is something that I write in almost every night before I go to bed. And all, all I put in it are three things that I'm grateful for from that day. That's literally it. And um, that takes me 30 seconds, 60 yeah. seconds, maybe if, 
if I'm not feeling grateful that day. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those days. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's great, though. Yeah, there's so many forms of journaling that you can do. I have a whole podcast episode on different forms of journaling. Um, after we get off, I can send you a link to it if you want to put it in your show notes. Yeah. Um, but you know, journaling doesn't have to be this long drawn out process where you have to carve out 30 minutes, 45 minutes of your time and sit there with your beautiful cup of coffee and with your candle lit and with like your most favorite pen ever. No, (laughs) it does not have to be that it can, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, no, that's good. Because I think a lot of us struggle with like, I can't do all the things. So I'm going to do none of the things. And maybe we'll Mm -hmm. kind of get into that all or nothing mentality in a little bit. But I think that's a great step. Like, don't be afraid to do some of this mindfulness stuff. um, Because a little bit can go a long way, especially if you're just starting out. So once we've, uh, we've done that, we started to get kind of more aware of like, um, how we're feeling, maybe the signs that we're starting to get overwhelmed. You brought up putting too much on your plate. And I think that tied hand in hand with what you said about um, kind of being afraid to say no to people. How do we get better at, um, at saying no and dealing with the feelings that maybe we're letting other people down? And like, how have you walked people through that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. And I'm going to, before I answer this question, I want to put like a big star next to it for your listeners. And this is one of those things where it's not like just one finish line that you cross and you can check it off your list and say, okay, now I'm really great at saying no. And I'm a pro at delegating and check that off the list. No, it's something that we always have to continually be working on. Right. You know, just like when we reach, um, XYZ fitness goal. Okay. You can't just sit back and prop your feet up and grab that bag of Cheetos. Cause now we hit the goal. I mean, that does right. sound pretty good, but <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep working at it. Yeah. Um, and so this is going to be one of those instances also. So starting to say no to things, the process that I walk my clients through with this is to no surprise, it starts with a self-reflection activity. And that is identifying times in your day that you aren't using your time maybe optimally or in a way that it can best serve you through that activity. A lot of times people are able to identify things that they themselves are doing but they don't have to be the one to do that task for it to get completed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, just a simple thing that's coming to my mind right now is um, like going to the grocery store. So you need groceries. Yes. You need food. Yes. But do you have to be the one, the only one in your house that can go to the grocery store for a lot of people? The answer is no, it doesn't have to be me. It just has to get done. Um, So insert, you know, asking for help, insert delegating. You could ask, you know, your partner to go to the grocery store for you. You could, I love the form of delegating that is all of the rage now, thanks to COVID, which is, you know, grocery pickup or even grocery drop-off. That's a form of delegating. Um, You just have to reframe it a little bit. Um, Absolutely a form of delegating. 
And so going through those activities of, you know, identifying where your time is wasted, we can talk about that more if you want. Um, and identifying things that you don't have to be the actual person who does that mm-hmm. is going to help you see like the, the low hanging fruit of things that you can start saying no to. Um, and then it takes practice. You know, once you start with those low hanging fruit, uh, practice it, practice it. You'll get to the point where, you know, you won't feel like you have to say yes to every family dinner that, that you're invited to. If, if, you know, if that's stressful for you, if, if you're loading up the car and having to like cook extra things, and if that's a stressful experience for you, you'll get to the point where you don't feel like you have to say yes to it every time, you know, you can say no and you can conserve the energy that would have gone towards that and put that towards something else. Um, that's more serving for you. Yeah. Did that answer the question? Yeah, you made me think of a lot of things um, <laughs> because, like, I know it can be tough to implement this because we have a variety of different kinds of people in our life. You know, close friends, not so close friends, family members. Maybe they're all not the same kind of relationship. Maybe some are codependent, or there's there's weirdness there. So maybe in this like process of identifying like, um, you know, what do we have to be doing and what do we not have to be doing? Really being honest with yourself about, is there anything that you're doing and spending your time on that is really part of like an unhealthy exchange? And maybe you're actually enabling somebody to not take care of themselves. Like maybe you'd be doing them a favor if you stopped doing something for them and it would also Mm -hmm. free up the time, but you got to be ready like for a little bit of, you know, honest conversation with that person and maybe a little bit of confrontation and a little bit of hurt feelings at the time. But, you know, you're really, you're, you're feeding into an unhealthy relationship and you're kind of pouring from an empty cup anyway. Yeah. You do that. That's so true. That's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. You brought up, um, looking for wasted time. Uh, I wish I could say I don't waste any time, but my, uh, (laughs) that little thing that pops up on my iPhone every Sunday that tells me how much time I spend on my phone would argue otherwise. Is there any other tips you have for helping find wasted time? Cause like one of my biggest pet peeves is just how often we replied is like, I'm busy. Like, how are you? I'm busy. Like, are we really that busy or are we wasting time on a lot of, you know, the 80% of stuff that doesn't get us any results. So how can we find some of this wasted time and use it for, for uh, feeling less overwhelmed? Yeah. Yeah. So I think a good place to start here is just to put a definition to what wasted time actually is. Right. And so I say that wasted time is time that you spend doing something that either isn't productive or isn't serving you. So examples of this, um, your listeners are going to start to pick up on um, some some patterns in what I'm saying. So examples of wasted time are going to vary from person to person. Um, But, you know, some examples, it can come in the form of like you were talking about scrolling your phone, um, binge watching a TV show. So those are kind of some of the obvious ones that start coming into our minds. It could also come in the form of doing one task multiple times when really, if you just did it right the first time, you would only have to do it once. It could come in the form of pressing snooze in the morning. It could even come in the form of, you know, walking back and forth in your house because certain items, certain things aren't laid out optimally, you know? So 
there's so many different forms of wasted time. Um, screen time, obviously being just the most commonly thought of. Um, so to help you identify your wasted time, I have three steps to how I usually teach this. Um, I'll give like a high level overview of each of them. So uh, step one is going to be to identify your distractions. Step two is a self audit, which is way less scary and intimidating than it sounds. <laughs> step three is just to add it all up. So um, for That's step good. one, yeah, identifying your distractions. Those are just going to be the things that pull you away from your productivity. Um, the self audit is physically writing down what those distractions are on a piece of paper and next to it, being honest with yourself, writing down about how much time per week you spend on each of those distractions. So as an example, let's say you're, I mean, you'll probably have more than three distractions, but if your distractions are, you know, scrolling on your phone, watching reruns of the office, who doesn't love Michael Scott and, uh, online shopping, you'd write those three distractions down. And then next to it, you'd put how much time per week you spend on each of those. So let's say uh, you pull out your the app on your phone that tells you how much time you spend scrolling and you see that you spend like 10 hours on social media on your phone each week. And then you spend 15 hours watching the office each week. And then you spend five hours online shopping each week. That would be your self audit. So pretty simple. Like I said, not super scary and intimidating. No one likes the word audit. <laughs> <laughs> and then last but not least, step three, adding up that time. Um, so on your sheet of paper, you add up the time from each of your distractions. That total amount of time is going to tell you about how much time you're essentially wasting aren't using productively that could be reallocated to other things in your life. So I'll go back to that example. I was doing 10 hours on social media, 15 hours of the office. And I will say 15 hours of the office per week would just be three episodes, five days a week. And they're only so, like 22 minutes a piece. So it goes by quickly. I know. <laughs> and then the five hours of the online shopping, that would be a total of 30 hours of just wasted time each week that someone could reallocate to other places in their life. And I think like somebody might've heard that and be like, I don't, well, first of all, I probably like, I don't spend that long, but if they probably went through those steps, they would realize that they do. We all do. Yeah. Um, and they might be like overwhelmed, like, well, how am I going to fill 30 hours with different work? But would you recommend trying to like do it all at once or kind of stair step into this? Absolutely stair step. Um, when I work on this, like one-on-one -on -one with clients, after we go through this activity, the very first, I guess not the very first, the second thing we do is to make a goal of out of that total lump of your, your wasted time. So in this example, out of that 30 hours, you know, what are we going to start with? Let's start with three hours. Uh, one one week, three hours out of your week. Let's figure out how we're going to reallocate that time to something that serves you better, to something that is more productive, mm -hmm. um, that can help you check off some of those to-dos to avoid the feelings of overwhelm, or that you could also use maybe not to check off to-dos, but just 
to fill yourself back up so that you don't get to the point of running on empty. Yeah, that's good. I don't know if this is really, really related, but it popped into my head too, about, um, being more productive with your wasted time. Like one of my favorite things to do is to listen to podcasts, like when I'm cooking or, mm-hmm. you know, helping with things around the house, weed eating the yard, that kind of stuff, stacking productive things that feed my brain up with, you know, more monotonous things. Yes. So maybe, maybe somebody will take that away. Okay. So we've identified, we found a way to identify wasted time and kind of stair step into using that time more productively. Blakely and I just had kind of like a business meeting this morning. We've made a list of like 10 things that we really need to do. We want to do. Um, it's a little bit overwhelming. Like how do we start to prioritize the things that we're going to fill this less productive time with? I love this question for some. So I love all of the things that Think Happy teaches about, obviously, but prioritizing tasks right now is like one of my favorite topics. I don't know why. So not that I have favorites, but it is kind of one of my favorites. It's it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I do have a a couple of, of tips for prioritizing tasks that um, I think would be helpful in this situation. The first is, it's gonna sound so like, duh, but it's helpful to start with a to-do list. And my pro tip for this is to make your to-do list before you're ready to actually start tackling it. For myself, in a typical, you know, work life routine, I'll try to make my to-do list the night before, or if I can make it before I clock out the day before, I'll do that also. Um, And so my reasoning behind that is when you sit down to start working, most of the time your brain is going to be ready to start working and you want to optimize that time. We all have certain times of the day, day parts that we're just our bodies, our brains are geared to work more optimally in. And you don't want to waste that time making your to-do list because you don't have to be in that optimum mindset, mind frame to, to make your to-do list. So if you already have your to-do list going into that period of time, you're able just to, you know, hit the ground running, if you will. Um, yeah. So, so, and maybe in this example, it's not a to-do list, but it is a list. So for you and Blakely, um, you know, you have that list of the 10 different business things. You have your list, check it off. There you go. Step one done. The next tip I have is to star your top three priorities for that day. So this is going back to, you know, the to-do list top three priorities for the day. And I want you to ask yourself, if you're unable to get anything else done today, what are the three things that you would be happiest with accomplishing? And put a star next to it, highlight it, whatever it might be. And then my third tip here is to use batches of three or five to start going through and actually executing the things on your list. So this is what that would look like. And it's separate from your three priorities. These these tips can be used either together or individually. Um, So let's say, you know, I have my to-do list. I have the first three things that I'm going to get done. When I sit down, I know exactly what I'm going to start on. I get to use that best part of 
of my brain power to start getting to work, do the first thing, do the second thing, do the third thing. Now I go back to my to-do list and I reevaluate what are the next three things that I want to do. And I note those. What I like about that is it helps you when you inevitably get, you know, pulled away from your to-do list. When you're coming back, you know exactly where you left off. Um, And it also helps you keep up that momentum between your tasks. Um, And thirdly, it makes a a well-defined spot for, you know, taking breaks Um, instead of just, you know, like, oh, well, I'm in the middle of doing this, but I really feel like I want to take a break right now. So I'm going to, you know, stop my brain, stop this momentum that I have going, and I'm going to go take my break. And then I'm going to come back and take more time to get the momentum back up and running. Um, It gives well-defined spots for the breaks. So those are some of my tips that I felt feel like that was a lot of rambling. (laughs) No, that was really, really, I could think about in my own life, like how I could use that because, you know, working from home, it's also a challenge, you know, with our house being 30 feet away from our office to be like, you know, I'm writing a a blog article that's taking research and looking at, you know, different studies and then interpreting that and putting it into written format. And then like uh, the dog needs to go to the bathroom and oh yeah, I need to start the chicken. So we have something to eat for lunch. It's hard. Like it's amazing how much focus you can lose just by giving yourself a break to go do something else. And if if you do have to do that, you come back, at least you already know, like, what are the priorities that I can just pick back up on. You don't have to reevaluate every time. I catch myself doing that sometimes. Like, what what am I doing here? Like, what is my main priority? What am I working on? So if it's already, you know, written out for the day, um, it's a done deal. And like another thing you made me think of was just like that sense of, you know, we're always preaching about how people sit around and wait for motivation to come along like a fart in the wind to get them moving to do stuff. But it's really the action that we take that gives us results that motivates us to keep going. Uh, So doing that first thing on your list that you've already decided as a priority, boom, you just got some motivation to move on to the second one. Boom. You just got motivated to keep going. So uh, I like it. That's good. It, it like makes it more concrete than just kind of this vague thing. Like I should be doing better yeah. with all the things that I need to do. Exactly. Yeah. And like, to your point, what is better, you know? Right. And, um, I, there's a book that I read and it has this awesome analogy of, um, momentum and motivation. And so think of a train that is at a standstill. It's stopped. Sorry, my there's, dog is like guppy. coughing weirdly loud. There's Guppy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, is that the dog? It got sounds a, like a cat hawking. Dog's a got a hairball. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay, I digress. So You're you have about a the train. train. Yes, it's standing still. It's at a complete stop. And to keep it at the stop, um, all they need to do is, you know, put the the not the door stopper, but like the little wooden triangle thing underneath one of the wheels to keep it at a stop. Well, so now it's time for the train to start going. So they pull the stopper out and they start working on getting the train going. And it takes a lot of energy for the wheels to start rolling and for the train to start moving and then for the train to get up to speed. But then once it has gotten up to speed, it takes even more energy for it to slow down and get back to that stop. But the thing is, is once it's at the stop again, you have to use all of that energy 
to get it up and running again. Mm -hmm. And so I just love that analogy because I think it's such a good way to think of your momentum, you know, like when you're at a stop, it's really easy to stay at the stop, you know? All they do is like put that little stopper under the wheels. Yeah, Pretty easy to stay there. But to get up and running again, it takes a lot it's of energy. Yeah. I, I like to use a similar analogy with people. <clears throat> like, you know, the whole time that we're trying to help people improve their uh, fitness through regular training, improve their nutrition through lifestyle and habit change, like we're basically pushing a car up a bridge because mm -hmm. we're going against everything that they've been doing up until this point. Habit change is hard. Let's get realistic. So yeah. we're pushing the car up the bridge. We're making progress. We're making progress. And if we do it the right way and we build the systems and habits along the way, instead of just doing something unsustainable, that's pushing the car up the bridge. Like we get to the peak, we'll call that the result. And there's, mm -hmm. it's much more, e it's much easier to either keep going to get more results or start coming down the bridge and maintain your results because no, you're no longer having to push because you have the systems and the yes. habits and the lifestyle changes in place. And we're talking about like, you know, doing these practices that you've laid out so far, that's really what all this is, is like, it's a system of habit change mm -hmm. that lines up with who you want to be. So, exactly. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're more organized with, um, with like what we need to freeing up time and, prioritizing what we need to do. What is kind of, we, we talked a little bit about setting boundaries around people. Um, and I feel like, I know this is true with fitness, but sometimes probably you'll, somebody will work with you and they'll start getting results. They'll start putting all this stuff in place, but then life kind of happens and maybe they aren't as consistent with doing all the things. And they're like, you know what, I'm not really like doing this perfectly anymore. What's the point? I'm just going to give up. This is like the all or nothing perfectionist mindset. So is it just in fitness or do you see this in practice also? <laughs> is it just us? No, no. I mean, this all or nothing perfectionist mindset is it's out to get us. <laughs> across, it really is. It really across is. all industries, I think. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I'm sure that you and Blakely will agree. Part of me really thinks that perfectionism is just a form of procrastination is just a form of putting something off. Um, and we trick our brains into thinking, oh, I can't do X, Y, Z until ABC is totally perfect, which, you know, feels like a valid excuse. But in reality, when is anything ever perfect? Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think agree that with that. that. Yeah, I would even I would even take it further and say that we use it as a way to purposely self-sabotage ourselves so that we can avoid the discomfort of, yes. of, of change. Like, yes, we might be uncomfortable in the place where we're feeling overwhelmed and we hate the way our body looks, but it's familiar. We may yeah. hate it, but it's, it's a, it's a common thing that we understand already. And we are, there's this like unknown with pushing forward into doing this different thing. And that's really, that's really, really scary. Cause we don't even know what that's yes. going to be like. So we can, tell ourselves in our mind, like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then when it starts getting hard and we start seeing those things that we knew were going to be tough, we self-sabotage ourselves and go back mm -hmm. with the excuse of, Hey, there goes, I failed. I knew it wasn't going to do it perfectly anyway. So it was like this doom uh, cycle from the beginning. Jonathan, yes, I agree. 1000%. And to, to even build on that one step further, the, the, 
the perfectionism, we use it to avoid failure in general, I mm. think. And because we don't want to see ourselves as having failed something. And so it seems easier to not even try at all than to try and fail. Um, but so for me, something that has helped me overcome this, this mindset, this notion of, you know, it's got to be totally perfect is the thought. And someone actually told me this, or I had a conversation with someone on my own podcast about this. And so, so here's, here's how it is. So this version of blank is exactly how it needs to be for someone who's going to receive it. So I'll give you a couple of examples filling in that blank. Um, for me personally, um, I published a book back in 2020. Okay. So this version of my book that was published a couple years ago, I felt like it wasn't perfect yet, but I published it anyway. So this version of my book is exactly how it needs to be for someone who's going to read it and take in that message. Or this version of myself is exactly what my kids need. Something for, you know, digital barbell. This version of myself is exactly how I need to be to start my new exercise habits. Um, just taking the perfectionism out of it and having this reframing it to where I am right now is where I need to be to just start, you know? Um, this is like the whole thing where yes. somebody's like, I'm going to start going to the gym once I get in shape. Like, no, exactly. you're like, exactly. we're going to meet you where you are. You're perfect yes. the way you are. You're in the right place. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll start going to the gym after I lose 10 pounds. Hmm. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I would say this mentality um, holds people back more than, I don't know, anything that I've come across in coaching people for sure. Yeah. And it's a kind of like the example you gave earlier. It's like, it's not like that you just overcome this and then you're free of it for the rest of your life. Like it'll still, yeah. it still creeps in on me in areas of my life. I'm sure it still creeps in on you in certain things. And that's, a, that's okay. Like that kind of like ties in with the perfectionist yeah. thing. It's okay. You're never going to overcome it perf perfectly. Like don't let that be a reason to make imperfect progress in the meantime. Exactly. And I think kind of tying it back into some of what we were talking about a little while ago with, um, you know, things that can lead to overwhelm. I had mentioned that comparison is something that can lead to those feelings. And so I would just really encourage the listeners to check yourself. You know, when you're scrolling on social media and you see Jonathan and Blakely, like, don't compare yourselves to where they are now to what you see on social media, because you don't know everything that it took for Jonathan and Blakely to get there. When you go on my Instagram page, you can't compare someone where you see them now and where you are now, because that's not an apples to apples comparison. Um, you didn't it might get not to even be an accurate representation point. of a reality too. Like not at it's all. a highlight reel. <laughs> it is such a highlight reel. Do you and, think you I know, put videos in our story? Like when we're having an argument about something, <laughs> of course exactly, not. Exactly. Do you think when I was like crying in the bathroom yesterday that I'm going to take a video and post <laughs> it on my happy Instagram page? <laughs> right. Yeah. I do try very, very hard to be authentic. I will say that. But yeah. 
social media is social media and it's totally just a highlight reel. Yeah. Yeah, And there would be no reason to purposely like get on and, you know, in a moment like that, that's not, that's not the point. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's a weird world with social media. I was, I was, yeah, we're, we're not thinking about social media when we're fighting, when (laughs) (laughs) when we're feeling down. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great point though. Because it's so true. It's not only a giant waste of time, but yeah, it's just, it's having a big impact on our mental health and our relationships. It's, that could be a whole different podcast episode, probably. For sure. You mentioned, um, you know, how you, how fitness played a big part, you know, in you starting Think Happy. Like, how do you see, I know, um, I think you have a, a fitness component to your, your coaching, but how do you see when somebody starts to improve their relationship with exercise and use that time to better themselves? How does that spill over into feeling overwhelmed and all the other things that we've been talking about so far? So I think the best way for me to answer this question is to answer it for myself personally. Um, because the way I feel about the, this question you've answered really does spill over into end results that I try to get for my clients. And so that is, so for myself, fitness is the foundation of not only my physical health, but also of my mental health. Um, it is my number one top, top, top form of self-care. It is also my absolute favorite way to fill my own cup back up. Um, it's a big statement. I w- and that's like, that's my mic drop statement. Like that's really how I feel about fitness. Um, I, w- you know, so many of your other questions I could ramble and ramble on. This is so succinct to me. It's so black and white. That's just how I feel about it. It's so, so why do- important. Why, um, I interviewed a guy a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. He's a, he's a strength coach up in Kingwood. And he talked about people coming into his gym and how they think of their nutrition as like a supplement to their training. Like they're like, you know, I could probably do a little bit better if I cleaned up my diet. And he's like, no, like you would completely transform your life if you cleaned up your diet, but we treat, um, exercise kind of in that same supplemental manner to our mental and physical health. We're like, yeah, I'd probably have more energy and feel more in control of my life and, you know, feel better about myself if I started to exercise. Like, no, like you're, it is a, it is like the base of the pyramid of so much of your life. So why, like, why do people not understand that? Like, I'm sure people don't that hire you for, um, you know, overcome, you know, for your personal coaching and overcoming, overcoming overwhelm. Like they might not realize how important exercise is. Like, why do we not get that? I know. I know. It's like, and if we had the answer to that question, <laughs> think about it. Come on, Caitlin, tell me. Nobel Peace Prize is left and right. <laughs> but I think it all, Jonathan, just boils down to, you know, avoiding things that make us feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. to avoiding feeling like we didn't succeed to avoid, you know, just feelings of discomfort in general. And something that I couldn't help but think about while you were talking about this conversation you had with the strength coach. Uh, So my dad is also a big time athlete. And when he was, so he 
let me think about this. In 2012, he did his first full Ironman. And then a couple of years after that, I did a 70.3 Ironman. And so when he was helping me train for my 70.3, um, for your listeners, Ironman is, um, it's a triathlon. So it's three events, swimming, cycling, and running. Um, when he was helping me train, he said, this Ironman is not a three event race. It is a four event race. It is the swimming, it is the cycling, it is the running, and it is the mental component. And that was years before even the thought of Think Happy had crossed my mind. And it so perfectly summarizes, you know, what you just said right there is that component of the mental side of your health and the physical side are so intertwined, you know, and it's just almost hard to separate them. I think that they just work so well together and hand in Mm -hmm. hand. Yeah. I heard somebody else say that. Um, and I don't mean to discredit like actual pharmaceutical antidepressants, but you know, that exercise is one of the greatest forms and weren't one of the greatest treatments for depression and anxiety. And, uh, I mean, I've seen that in my own life when I've struggled with anxiety. So me too. uh, I hope that, I hope that more people that if there's anybody, this is a fitness podcast. So probably most of the people that are listening to this on our, our channel do exercise. But, uh, if, in, if in chance you don't like take the same approach with everything that we've been talking about in this episode, you don't have to start with running that Ironman. You don't have to start by going to a CrossFit class that scares you. You can start with the basics, um, build yeah. confidence in yourself. I'm reading the book, uh, do hard things by Steve Magnus. And it's really about like how we've gotten mental toughness wrong and how it's not really about just like machismo and being like, you know, you can do anything, but really like developing the skills that, that you're going to need to accomplish the task at hand, making an honest assessment of what you're going to have to do, making sure you have the, uh, you know, most of the skills to do it and then going to execute and continuing on when it gets hard. And that builds, self-confidence in you and gives you the belief that you can do hard things. And they don't like when somebody comes to you for coaching, I'm sure they're a little bit wondering, like, am I going to be able to do this? But, you know, as they go through the steps with you, they build confidence, they start getting more results. And the same thing goes with fitness and making changes to your nutrition. Yeah. Amen. Preach. How did you, how how did you uh, come up with the name? Think happy for the company. Oh my gosh. So think happy started as the title of the book that I had referenced, um, a little while ago. And I'm trying to remember, I want to say it was, so the thinking behind the motivation behind writing the book was I realized that people were always asking me this same question, um, which was, how are you always so happy? And to me, my answer was, well, it's not that I'm always just so happy. Um, it's that I'm like very intentional about trying to live a life that I enjoy and that on the outside then appears happy to you. Um, and that's where it came from. That's, that's great. That's what I wrote the book about and think happy seemed like a good title. So that's awesome. So, so the book led to the coaching, which led to the podcast and all of it's called think happy. So I guess I'm just not very creative or some would say no way. I'm just really good at branding. That's what I was about to say. That <laughs> yeah. sounds like a branding genius there. Yeah, my background is in marketing. So, <laughs> Oh, awesome. Well, um, are you accepting new clients now? How can people reach out to you if you are? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm not sure when this episode is airing, but in January, I am launching a brand new group program uh, called Becoming Your Best You. That will, that the doors are open now for that. Um, I also have one-on-one coaching spots. And the best way for people to reach out to me is honestly on Instagram. Um, my handle, to no surprise, is at thinkhappy underscore co. Um, thinkhappy wasn't available, so. <laughs> oh, good. We'll, we'll definitely link to that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Jonathan, this has been so much fun. Heck yeah. Heck we could yeah. probably go for another two hours, but. We literally could. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really think that both men and women that listen to this have some really solid takeaways to start putting in place. And I hope that if people are interested in putting the stuff into action, they reach out to you. So thank you again, Caitlin. Yes. Thank you, Jonathan. And tell Blakely I said hi. I will. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you all for listening. We truly appreciate it. But real quick, before we go, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell for all of the latest and greatest free content. If you're interested in working with Blakely and I, we'd love to talk. Apply for coaching with the link in the description of this episode or by visiting digitalbarbell.com. We'd love to talk about helping you reach your goals with a training and nutrition program built just for you. Thanks again and have a great day.